Welcome back to the Dissociative Table. I'm Alex Virtus. And in this episode, we've got the second segment of my conversation with Dr. Phil Manfield. And uh, for those of you who have not seen the first segment of that, um, you can visit that to see a full introduction to him and his work. He is a legend in the world of EMDR, trauma therapy in general, and the creator of the Flash Technique. Possibly to many of you, he needs no introduction at all. Uh, nonetheless, this was the segment of the conversation I was most excited about, and I'm very happy to share it with you. Um, this is where we get into the use of flash with more severe dissociative symptoms. And um, <clears throat> in our conversation, we cover the power of laughter and the treatment of this presentation. Um, an interaction of language between Flash and my, um, well, as you might guess from that book back there in the background, language of the structural dissociation of the personality. Um, Dr. Manfield presents alternatives to psychodynamic techniques, um, such as working with parts of self. Um, for instance, treatment when clients have no explicit memory of childhood, um, treatment when there's constant abuse rather than only a few events, um, even pre-verbal trauma, attachment trauma that many psychodynamic practitioners would say is uh, impossible uh, to treat um, without um, <clears throat> methods that deal with parts of self. Um, or perhaps inappropriate to treat in that way. Dr. Manfield has something different to say, and we'll have guests uh, in future episodes who pre present a very different perspective. I hope you enjoy his as much as I did. So so regarding Flash, one thing I remembered from the, the first training always is you said, well, it appears to just cut through dissociation. And I thought, no, no, that's not, <laughs> that's, but yeah, it I mean, does. EMDR yeah. is a, an associative process itself, but you know, um, I, I mentioned um, 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 Dr. Vanderhart's work, yeah. his, con his concept of, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a Genet scholar, but Genet's concept of mental level is something that I work with quite a bit in terms of my resourcing and my take on resourcing and raising mental level, especially raising mental energy just by seeing what people eat for breakfast, mm. you know? Um, but I've noticed that just like EMDR, if somebody's mental level isn't sufficient, um, in my experience, they, they can't, they can't do flash or, you know, like they wouldn't be able to do prolonged exposure either the mental level isn't present to perform that higher level action. And so what one thing that I've found, and I don't know if anyone else has done this, is flash is a completely pain-free way to test mental level oh. with a highly dissociative client. Mm. Like if, fla if flash doesn't work, it's not an epic fail. You don't present it as a cure. I say, hey, let's just have a conversation about stuff. And every once in a while, right. I'm going to interrupt you. Do it completely blind, like which right. I think is remarkable. Like you could do EMDR blind, but not like flash. Mm -hmm. And if the if the client can't do flash, then I know, okay, 
Like it's a better tool than the DES2 by far. And uh, have you experienced that? Have you, uh, what, do, what do you do with that, with a, with a highly dissociative client? How does, how does the first use of Flash inform your treatment? Well, I, I always start with every new client. I always start with history. And um, and I don't uh, pursue any of the targets that are presented. I just list them. So for the same reason that you're that you're referencing that, um, often they can tell you about when they were molested or whatever, but they, mm. if, if, if you encourage them to give you the details that that can be, uh, very dysregulating. Mm. Um, so I don't get the details on, uh, anything, but, um, even in the history taking, it's sometimes, becomes clear that a, a client's just not capable of organizing thoughts of of uh, of following instructions of uh, staying coherent, and um, so that's where that red flag comes up for me, where I say I'm going to have to pursue a different approach with this client. Uh, I, I will say as a as a little throw um, uh, in a thought, um, you know, in the advanced uh, flash webinar, we teach uh, alternate ways of distracting people so that mm -hmm. even if they can't think of uh, a positive, engaging memory or focus, um, we can still find ways to distract them to the degree that they don't need to defend against uh, dissociation. And um, they don't need to defend against activation, against pain. So they don't need to use dissociation as a defense. So um, one thing I found for these people who really have trouble with internal organization. Uh, I'll use one of these techniques. Like one of them is um, uh, counting um, backwards from 100 by, say, sevens. And um, especially if people are uh, disoriented, that that's pretty tough. And and we can laugh about it. I, I mean, I tell them. Uh, not important if you're right or wrong. And, um, you know, so they, they, they struggle with it and, and we laugh about it. And, um, and then, um, so that becomes the first round of uh, flash, maybe even the second round. But by the time we've done two rounds of flash, the memory that they're focused on is partially disabled in a way. It's a way to think of it. Mm -hmm. And now they're able to come up with a true PEF um, mm -hmm. um, 
an engaging focus. And uh, and then uh, the flash just takes off from there and goes swimmingly. Mm -hmm. um, now, one thing that um, my, my consultees uh, begin to notice um, when I have them ask some of the questions that I started asking that kind of made my career a little bit more maybe successful and disturbing at the same time, is that when they start asking about dreams, and they start asking about well, what's the first year of childhood you remember. Mm. They find that a lot of clients they thought were not dissociative are, and that mm. this depressive disorder or this uh, mm -hmm. POTS or fibromyalgia mm. is is mm. Uh, the result of something that something terrible that happened back then. Mm. And um, now the only way I have found of working with Flash, doing that, and I wanted to see if maybe this is just because I'm not good enough at flash and mm. there's another way. But um, I originally started off with Sandra Paulson's looking through the eyes yeah. technique. And I still do kind of a take on that, but locating uh, what people see, you know, pieces of child brain, seeing them as uh, representations in their mind of their jobs, you know, the, the fight character and the child character and all of that. And, um, recently with a with a woman who didn't remember the first 10 years of her life i had her kind of line up those those individuals that I, i'm always clear like look this is not metaphysical this is like mm. dramatic brain injury yeah. but line up these individuals and uh, i said well uh let's all select a memory because mm. you know with flash as you said in the advanced training a long time ago you can treat 10 memories at once this is true. So I, I treated four parts of self at once. Yeah. And it worked. Right. You know, and, and there was no description of the memory necessary. Right. And I um I then used EMDR and this mm -hmm. this cleared fairly rapidly, you know, this a yeah. single session thing. And, and this was complex stuff. You know, this was yeah, recent traumatic events type stuff sure. where sure. you're doing recent traumatic events with something in the past that was in a very mm. extended thing, like a domestic mm. violence situation that lasted a couple hours. And yeah. So what you mean by recent traumatic events with a, an old memory is right. going through it frame by frame and yeah. taking the whole uh, narrative yeah. fractionation so that, you know, like the, the mind isn't skipping from place to place. Mm -hmm. Um I, um, Am I just bad with with flash there? Do you do something different no, in those cases? I, I do do something different. I, uh, you know, I have just become so um, uh, impressed with um, you take someone like that and uh, um, this may not be the case with uh, if it's actual single incident um, that's not reflected in ongoing interactions, but most typically these people have complex PTSD mm -hmm. and they, you know, let's say dad was violent and dad was threatening and, um, and you say, give me an, an example. And they say, I can't, but he was always that way. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really common presentation. And uh, 
Of course, the client is defending against the specific examples. That's why they can't give one. But uh, but if you have them, think of what all those memories have in common. It may be tone of dad's voice, the look on dad's face, the uh, the 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 paddle dad would or the belt dad would pick up and threaten with, or it's. It's usually more than one thing, but all the memories have it in common. The crazy look in dad's eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, the phrase dad would say, you're going to get it. Um, but um, once you identify those few elements that all these memories have in common, it's not just... The memories that are conscious it's all the also the pre-verbal memories they all have it in common mm -hmm. and and as you said uh, flash is a subliminal uh process it mm -hmm. acts accesses subliminal material and so you you say to the client well when you think of that element that we just identified that they all have in common how disturbing is that that look in dad's eyes oh that's an eight and mm -hmm. so now you know, we don't ask people to focus on disturbing material when we do flash. We distract them. And so now they've thought of that look in dad's eyes. And that look in dad's eyes serves to cause the retrieval of so many memories of that look in dad's eyes. And and it's all pretty much subliminal. The client isn't saying, oh, now I'm thinking of 20 times that dad did this or had this look. Mm -hmm. And we just uh, distract them and take them into uh, talking with us in this conversational style in which we're talking about something that the client gets very engaged with. And, um, and then we check back periodically to see if there's been change in the look in dad's eyes. And uh, lo and behold, by the third, fourth, fifth time we check in, it's not disturbing anymore. And what blows my <clears throat> mind is that the pre-verbal experiences resolve also. <clears throat> so um, it's that's been a game changer. The, the generalization aspect of EMDR has been... Uh something that's kind of converted, I suppose, a lot of exposure therapists. And, um, but what about these cases where the client comes, okay, so where I, where I live is um, a very rural area of North Carolina and mm. uh, it's got a big fentanyl problem, a lot of overdoses mm. and it's a mm. route for human trafficking. Mm -hmm. um, the police even know the hotels that get used and I have no idea what's going on. You know, I just mm -hmm. try and, I treat the trauma and my second job is evaluating um, clients for other therapists. And I find that 85%, I stopped keeping track, but it, it sort of stopped at 85% of the folks here um, have a, regardless of the referral reason or anything like that, the primary diagnosis is some sort of trauma related diagnosis. And it's not overt PTSD in about half those cases, but if you take a look at the origins now, I would say probably 50% of those overall, regardless of the presentation, pre-verbal um, trauma, 
Yeah, the, but not not just pre-verbal trauma, pre-age eleven or pre ten. It's just a blank. It's a, you know, like I'll ask a client or ask uh-huh. ask a, ask a, someone I'm evaluating. You know, I say, what what's the first age that you remember? It's mm-hmm. funny you should ask. I've always wondered why everyone else can why remember I can't remember 10, but I don't mm-hmm. have a single memory. It's like it's yeah. not like I don't remember. It's like something has been deleted. Or yeah. one one touching thing about one he had been a contractor. A military contractor and it's seen you know like there were no rules for his right. unit and um he said you know at age six there's just like a wall and yeah. you're doing a float back this was a while back you know a somatic bridge actually and yeah. um it's like there's a wall with a child behind it screaming yeah you know and so for things like that i mean the only way that i can figure out to utilize flash and i i speak a little bit more about i wanted to ask a question more about that later but how do you use flash with somebody who has a total blank for their childhood do you integrate these psychodynamic techniques or do you as usual have some end around that (laughs) i'm not going to be able to like even anticipate i'm so excited to ask you that question well if you call it an end around i suppose you can call it an end around (laughs) but uh I mean, I have something that I do, and uh, and I, I've been pretty successful with people who lack memory. You know, they certainly they lack memory about their trauma for good reason, mm-hmm. uh, and then as you say, often they lack memory. Period. Can't remember anything before the age of uh, ten, and. Uh, if you massage their memory uh, in a non-threatening way, you start getting memories. Um, uh, they may remember how the family celebrated Christmas. Mm-hmm. They may remember uh, what the family did about birthdays. They may remember who their good friend was in elementary school. Um, they may remember what uh, they may remember something about colors, about foods, about I mean, very non-threatening things. But mm-hmm. um, but usually I'm able to uh, stir the pot until some of these non-threatening memories uh, come up and. Um, so people find out that they do have memories. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, a way to think about it is that a lot of memories are dissociated. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe all the memories related to um, may, dad and, and alcohol are dissociated. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, uh, but it may be that uh, client remembers um staying up with their sibling Mm. listening for what was going on in the house or uh, something that's not traumatic that kind of it was a bit of a of a success of a victory you know they they got to be sneaky and get away with it um Mm. anyway that's pretty much what i do i 
I seem to be able to pull memories out of people. Mm-hmm. And once I get some memories, um, then, and I do my low-hanging fruit, process them low-hanging fruit, even if it's not an early memory. But um, the combination of finding some uh, memories that are not disturbing and also processing some vanilla kinds of uh, disturbing memories, um, they bold they embolden people uh mm-hmm. i remember a guy um excuse me i remember um i remember a guy who uh he had really clear claustrophobia symptoms mm-hmm but no childhood memories. No childhood memories that he had a few, but nothing disturbing. And when we did his whole history, we got nothing more disturbing than a three. And that was just one memory. And the rest of them were twos and ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was uh, he was in, uh, in one of those fields that people tend to learn how to compartmentalize and not feel. Um, but um, we processed a memory of him taking a trip to New York with his dad. His dad was going to do a sales call, and then they were going to be able to, you know, have see the sights in New York. And uh, and and what was disturbing about the memory was. Uh, that uh, his dad left him in the lobby of this skyscraper while his dad went and did his sales call. And uh, dad took longer than he expected. And uh, the client was only seven or something and uh, started to wonder if dad had come down and, and not seen him somehow. And and had left and that was really scary and then 12 o'clock came along and and there was just a stream of humanity coming out of the elevators Mm -hmm. and and suits going by and he's he couldn't see anything and they're just all these adults and uh i won't go into further Mm -hmm. details but uh it was a terrifying experience of thinking that he that he was lost in New York City mm-hmm. and that his yeah, dad yeah. had missed him. And uh, so we processed it. Um, I think it started out as it was one of those, it was the one that was a three mm-hmm. and it immediately became a seven or an eight as soon as we started processing it. And But the reason I tell the story is after processing it, then he remembered being uh, like six years old and playing pylon with his friends. Mm-hmm. And he remembered being on the bottom of the pile and all his friends were piled on top of him. And there was this tr- pressure on him. He couldn't breathe. 
he couldn't see anything because it, it was a big pile of kids. And and that's one that he hadn't remembered at all when we did the history. And that was he, clearly uh, eight or nine for him, that memory of thinking he couldn't breathe, he was going to suffocate. And, and that was the beginning of his claustrophobia. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that perhaps has... I I am not sh- I I would have to uh, definitely recommend that only people who are very trained in treating complex trauma give this a try. But I I think that you could you know the application of that to um, what we're speaking about of just a, an apparent lack of memory. I would say lack of memory as A and P or in your like more like your conceptions more of that Ericksonian conception of uh, almost like an OCD type avoidance. Um, but as, as, as I would understand it, um, that flash in that way, you're going after the symptom and in treating something that is reflective of that worse earlier, apparently not remembered trauma, you're opening up a gate with the low hanging fruit of just tracing something that's, uh, you know, as a three reflective of that and opening up the memory in that way, in the same way as maybe a fellow with a, an overwhelming memory, well, you might just focus EMDR flash on the gun mm-hmm. and not the whole image. Is that, yeah. is, is that, was, would that be the expansion? To and I, I, I tell clients, I, I tell everybody that what the way I think about it is that uh, it's, teaching the subconscious that it's safe Mm -hmm. to remember things. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I have the experience frequently that after we process that, and that's what happened with this guy, he thought of three memories after we processed that first one, because he suddenly got that, gee, you know, I can remember these things and it's not going to just overwhelm me and and swallow me up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um perhaps that wasn't the best example as you say i mean it wasn't he wasn't did or he wasn't super uh, dissociative um it, it seems readily transferable conceptually to how you were able to locate that because the it's the phobia seems similar just of a lesser degree yeah i, I mean it's a, it's just it's just a foreign experience to most people that it would make sense to even think about a memory that's a trauma people don't think about their traumas mm-hmm. they try not to think about their traumas they that's what PTSD is, really. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a memory that a person is fighting. They don't want to think about it because it's gonna they're gonna have a flashback. Mm-hmm. I hope you enjoyed this episode um, as much as I did uh, watching back through it for uh, creating this video. My constant struggle in treating complex trauma. Uh, which is the profession that chose me, I suppose, um, because I just couldn't avoid it as a therapist. That struggle is 
how can we minimize the pain for treatment while still retaining the maximization of the meaning of treatment? And so I hope you enjoyed uh, Dr. Manfield's perspectives. And the next episode, we'll take it farther. Um, I'll challenge him a little bit. Um, first with a colleague's question, a schema therapist, uh, uh, the question of how can you treat attachment issues uh, with flash or perhaps even with EMDR? How can you desensitize and reprocess the absence of something rather than the presence of something? Well, Dr. Manfield, as you might expect, has an answer. But part of that is a very touching account of his personal journey through psychodynamic treatment to treatment with EMDR um, with uh, his resulting criticisms of the former. Um, also his uh, knowledge of an integration between EMDR and schema criticisms, ideas for improvement, flash perspectives. <clears throat> and finally, I offer my own uh, criticism, uh, playing devil's advocate. And I'll just let you watch that because that's a fun conversation. So, um, as always, our intro and exit music is provided by the wonderful guys with crack machine, uh, in support of enhanced access to effective trauma treatment worldwide. Thanks. And we'll see you soon on the podcast.